We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. another episode here of setting the pace and happy end of july to you we're almost there to august i know the training camp for football's you know currently going on jonathan taylor's requested a trade jim ursay is going to the media there's a lot going on in colts nation but we're here to talk pacers basketball Fachi, how you doing man i'm doing great but when you said yeah closing july alex it feels like you know man it feels like the moves that we made bruce brown obi top and i mean that feels like two, three months ago. And that was this same month as yeah. right now. That's the, wow. I mean, it's crazy. Free agency comes and goes in a blink of an eye. And all of a sudden we're sitting here twiddling our thumbs saying, I need to see the boys on the court once again. No, I totally agree. And what's crazy is like this month has been so long. We've already seen summer league happen this month. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. it, there's just been so much going on, but Today, Fachi, we're going to do a fun little exercise. If you know anything about our podcast, we always try to bring the content for you, but we like doing rankings, and we try to be fair with our rankings, and we try to do different things that we're ranking, but today we're going to be ranking the roster in terms of what, Fachi? In terms of who could be you know, most valuable long-term in the future for, for this Pacers team. So let's just put it as the top 15 most important to the Pacers in the future. Yeah, so we're only doing the 15-man roster. Decided to scratch the th- uh, the three two-way guys because they would probably be the last three anyway on the list, for the more than yeah. likely, or very close to that. So mm-hmm. didn't feel like that was kind of necessary. So we're just doing the 15-man roster as currently constructed. We can figure out if they're going to make more moves, maybe closer to training camp if something happens like that where they want to maybe get a little bit more depth at a certain position or you know clear up some 
question marks with too much depth at a certain spot, but I think this is a great place to start. We're going to work our way up to number one, Fachi. So at number 15, I don't think this should be a, a big surprise here, but who do you have at 15? I, I really don't think anyone should be falling off their chair here or need to hold their breath, but it's Daniel Tice. Now, <laughs> look, does anything really need to be said here? But when you say that, something needs to be said. And taking on Tice was essentially what was needed when the Pacers moved on from Brogdon, were able to acquire Aaron Neesmith, get a first-round pick, but you had to take Tice back in return. He's 31 years old, fourth string center. Many teams don't have four centers. And this this year, essentially an expiring $9.1 million because the following year, nothing is guaranteed. So I think he'll end up being a nice trade ship this year. Would be stunned to see him as a pacer past this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, the whole ties thing is really interesting because last year he played with Team Germany, came mm-hmm. back, had some knee issues and i think yep. he ended up having surgery to clean some of that up he's playing with germany again this you know go around where we know tyrese is playing with team usa so kudos to him he's been well rested he got the surgery done didn't have to play a lot for us last year i think he played like three weeks tops and then he was out for the rest of the season with you know letting the younger guys develop i mean he's a good locker room guy there's no doubt he about is. it and if he's on this roster for the entirety of the season he can kind of be that veteran that we've talked about this team could look to bring in. We we know that James Johnson and George Hill were the the known names that were the veteran leaders last year. But a lot of people praise Daniel Tice for what he did last year with this roster in terms of you know taking on that four string center role, being very encouraging, being very supportive, showing up to every single game to let these guys know that he has their back and that he's rooting for them. So good teammate. But long-term wise, he just doesn't really seem to fit their plans. But I, like I said before, it wouldn't surprise me if they did give him some run, just knowing that they're trying to win now. Yeah, and, and here's to the point that you made. We have not heard one bad thing about Daniel Tice. Like, not one. He's been a professional. That's all that you can ask. I'm sure, like, guys, he's going to get on the court at some point. Like, I remember last year, it was like, why would we play Tice? He played seven games this year. He'll play sometimes, especially if it's an emergency situation or, you know, I don't know. So someone's out for a couple of games. Tice will see the court, but I don't think it's going to come at the expense of Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith, other than maybe a game or two here or there where you're saying, what's like, come on, someone else could use those mitts. But I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to be bringing the team down in any uh, which way. No, and I, and I think one of the things, too, it's like, let's just say Isaiah's going through a slump and Jalen's yes. hurt, then maybe you see Tyus exactly. get those minutes. It's it's one of those things where it's going to be situational for him, but I think that they're also going to give him a chance to earn those minutes, too, by mm-hmm. proving it in training camp, because if he is significantly better than both Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith, because he does have a, you know, a capable three-point shot. Yes. I don't think he plays up-tempo enough for how they want to play. I mean, maybe he could play a little faster. Maybe he tries to get in better shape to play faster. I don't know. But I'm just saying, I think they're going to give him a chance to earn it. I would say it's very unlikely that he does because we have a pretty young team that's pretty athletic, and he's just not really young and athletic and part of this core future. But for this season, they're trying to win now. Like I can kind of see the case why Carlisle might be more apt to give him a little bit of run. And I think also... Giving him run early on, Fotch, it might increase his trade value. It, it very well could. And that is a, a really good point because you got to feel like 
the Pacers are going to be looking at all options, and that that nine million dollars can slide into you know a lot of deals and be appealing, and especially to make this team better because he's not expected to have a big role. So playing him early on, yes, I could definitely see that. The Pacers tried to give him, you know, some some spotlight for instead it was only for a couple of games right before the deadline. I don't know what was supposed to be expected from him in those games, but it was not enough for anyone to pick up the phone and say, "Hey, let me get some Daniel Tice, please." Yeah, a little uh, a true definition of a too little too late for that yes, one, but exactly. Uh let's keep it moving here. I think we spent enough time talking about the last guy on the list, so let's move on I to the next did. Alaska on the list. I, I always feel dirty saying this, but it's Jordan Wara. Yep. Nora's going to be 25. And I, I think by all means, he should be entering his prime. I loved what I saw last year in Indiana. I believe it was about 23 games after coming over from Indiana, uh, from Milwaukee. True bucket. I think he needs to improve defensively for sure. But he's a bit buried at the four this year between behind Obi Toppin, Jarris Walker, who rightfully so need the bulk of those minutes. But the big thing with tips the scale it's a $4 million expiring contract. The Pacers have wide eyes. They're looking to upgrade. And I think that they're dreaming bigger than Jordan Noir. And I understand that. So I do think that they will either move him at the trade deadline. Maybe they include his salary with Tice to be able to get a player in that $13 million range or something of that sort. Or if anything, they, they let him walk uh, when free agency comes. Because I just don't think there's a big enough role for him past actually this year let alone past this season yeah i mean the worst thing that happened in jordan Wara was seeing jairus walker get drafted and us trading for ob Toppin because it Mm -hmm. just completely filled his spot and i like jordan Wara. i actually think there's a good basketball player in there i just don't think indiana is going to be the right fit for him and that's unfortunate because we really didn't have to do much to get him we actually took on stuff to get him so you know, we, we did the Bucks a favor by by bringing him on, and I think he's a good shooter that fits this system. And when we talked to him, he said, "I want to win a championship with the Pacers." So, yeah, like, awesome. I, yeah, I totally understand why you say it, it feels a little dirty to to put yeah. him here at this point. But he is an expiring well. contract. I know, he's an expiring contract doesn't make a lot of money, and looks like he's going to be part of the third string more than likely based on how the depth chart shakes out which is a little bit of a bummer because I do think that there's some good basketball obviously left in his game. Like you said, he's only 25 years old. But, yeah, it's it's just tough because he's not known for his defense. If he can really improve on that end, then I think there's maybe a good chance he does play a little bit more because he is such a good three-point shooter. But, yeah, I, I think overall Jordan Moore is just a guy that's, you know, someone they're interested in, good depth, but at the same time not someone they're going to totally invest in long term. Completely agree. I mean, the teams that are rebuilding right now, I think that he would be perfect for them. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I think the Pacers right now they're looking to be far more competitive, and they're not going to have the same amount of minutes for him th- that he had after the deadline, where it was like, "Hey, free reign! Look, this guy's getting a big role." And now it's hard to find a role for him. So mm-hmm. that's where we're both in agreement there. Maybe things change here at thirteen. I think they do. If they don't, I'll be a little surprised because I'm. My 13, I'm going to have to explain it a little bit more in depth when I get there, but I'm just curious who you have. I got TJ McConnell. Oh, okay, okay. We're a I, I, went, I went back and forth between if McConnell was going to be 13 or if he was going to be 12. I got him at 13 because here's the thing. When we're talking about, you know, to the Pacers' future, McConnell's actually the oldest player on this roster at 31 years old. He's been awesome for us. He really has, especially when you factor in 
what he was supposed to be back in 2019. But the team's changed solidly since we re-upped him in 2021. This is now Tyrese Halliburton's team. And then there's Andrew Nemhard, who's absolutely fantastic and needs all, all the playing time that he can get. McConnell's been the ultimate teammate, but he has just two years remaining on his contract. And let's be honest, that second year with just a partial guarantee is an even more appealing trade chip if McConnell isn't dealt this season. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be hard to find him a solidified nightly role, and he's far too good to just not be playing at all. Pacers over the last few years kind of have a little bit of a history of doing right by their players, and McConnell could very well be next on that list. Yeah, so I've got McConnell just one spot higher at 12. Okay. So all right. I'll talk about him there in a second. I told you 13, I'm going to have to explain. So okay. it sounds a little bit crazy to say in terms of like, what they mean to the team long-term, but I've got Ben Shepard here at 13, Fachi, which seems incredible. It does seem pretty low for a guy that was drafted 26 overall in this draft, but look at the Pacers draft record. And when they've not drafted in the top 10, how many of these guys have stuck around or even got into the rotation when they got here? TJ leaf. No. Aaron holiday. No. Gogo Batadze. No. Chris Duarte got traded. Isaiah Jackson still struggling to find minutes. So, to me, it's like, okay, Ben Shepard is playing at a position where the Pacers are loaded right now. He's 26 overall pick. I think that there's a good basketball player in there. I'm not saying anything negative about him. It's way too early to kind of, you know, figure out who he's going to be. But I think right now it's it's to the point where there's so much unknown that I feel like if this team is trying to win now, he might be an end-of-the-bench kind of guy that doesn't really play. But I think what we saw in Summer League, like, you can see, like, good things about his game, but nothing that really stood off the page that was like, this is a guy that's going to be part of our rotation moving forward. Yeah, he was an easy Duarte replacement, but at the same time, they still went out and got Bruce Brown. You still think Benedict Matherin, obviously Benedict Matherin, but Hill's going to have more of a bigger role than him, at least this season. I just feel like Shepard, he's like two or three years away, and in two or three years, they could draft his replacement already. So I, I'm just kind of projecting based on what we've seen with previous picks around this range at 26, especially at this position. Don't think he does anything exceptionally well. Uh, he shot the ball, lights out at Belmont, but come on now. So I'm, I'm not low on Shepard as a prospect. I just think that long-term thinking – He's kind of in a tier that I think is like the next four to five guys here, Foch. And that's why I put him just a little bit lower because a lot of times you don't see players in that range usually get the opportunity and really pan out. Ooh, man, you got him so low. I think he's underneath my shoe right oh, now. On this list. But, you know, look, I'll get to him later. Here's the thing. I, he's not ready yet. And I know you said two or three years. It's It's at least not this year. Uh, I don't think that we're going to see much of Ben Shepard. And here's the, here's the thing. You talk about maybe draft the replacement. If they bring back Buddy Heald, it, it's probably over for Ben Shepard. That's what I'm saying. Or ever they reaching Bruce Brown his, back. Yeah, like ever reaching his potential in Indiana. So there are most definitely question marks about him of what he will be or not. And yeah, Alex, a lot of those guys that you mentioned, those are picks in the teens. Mm-hmm. Top 20 picks. So we're talking about even lower in yeah. terms of like what he really could be, you know, coupled in with his potential. So this, um, 
This is like the yeah. This is like the Solomon Hill Miles Plumley range. Uh, Miles right? Plumley's exact yes. That was the first thing that came to mind when I started thinking like, okay, who's a guy that we picked in the twenties that like never really got a shot to like showcase? And, and it was Plumley. He ended up being yeah. moved after I think the first year um, to Phoenix, the Gerald Green trade. But like Solomon Hill, at least like had a couple of years. Like I don't know. Maybe, yeah, we'll see about Ben Shepard. But yeah, I think that's a but, good comparison. You also have to realize, like, Solomon Hill was on a team that desperately needed players at his position. Yes. And Ben Shepard's at a position that's very loaded right now with so many guys that can play there. So it's like it's not really a knock on him. It's just the way the roster is currently built. Mm-hmm. The reason they moved off of Duarte was to, one, create the cap space uh, – or not the cap space, the roster space to go out and trade for Obi Toppin. But, you know, they just they just realized, like, he's too good to not play. So at least we can bring in this guy here at 26 and kind of be more of a project. So that's why I have him there, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that disagree with that. But it was just hard for me to find, like, a spot where I can see him being more valuable to this team based on what we need moving forward. So that's why I have him there. But since I kind of already spoiled my number 12, uh, yeah, I'll just it. say it again, TJ McConnell. Mm-hmm. You had him at 13. I had him at 12. It's it's a tough spot to put him in because, yeah, he's a really good player. He's not the 12th worst player on this team. So no. that's one of those hard positions to put him at. But based on what they have point guard depth-wise with Tyrese Halliburton and Andrew Nimhard, it does feel like he's a little bit expendable. So that's why I have him a little bit lower. And like you said, his money could be coming off the books next year with that partial guarantee. So it, it just makes a lot of sense why the Pacers, why they do value him and they have a great relationship with him, would be willing to find a home for him where he can get those minutes. We've talked about that the last couple of podcasts because we've asked different people about McConnell and his role. So I don't need to uh, elaborate too much on this point, but I will just say this. Really like TJ McConnell, the person. I think he's a good player. I think that he is an impactful player when he's in the game, but he does have limitations to his game. And at this point, with the way Andrew Nimhart has developed in just one year, and with Tyrese Halliburton being hopefully a multi-time all-star, you just feel like the writing is on the wall here for TJ McConnell. You really do. And there's no denying it. And I think that people that are over the top defending about McConnell and everything are probably just looking at it from the Pacers lens of what you, you know, if you look around the league, it would just be like, oh my God, like uh, Halliburton, Nemhart, they got to get those guys the most minutes possible. McConnell, I think could help so many different teams, but I think for right now, we have to be able to separate how good of a guy he is, how great of a teammate he is, and know that, you know, long-term not fitting as much in the plans as guys that are, say, 23 years old, like mm-hmm. Nimhard and Halbert. Yeah. Who'd you have at number 12? Now, Watch. Now, at number 12, I have Isaiah Jackson. Oh, I went okay. back and forth with Ajax and McConnell, and I, I figured, hey, Ty goes to the age. Uh, you know, you got to give got to give Isaiah Jackson the bump there because he's 21 years old, still very raw. Uh, he's under contract for what could be two years they have to pick up his team option in october they probably will why wouldn't they uh but i can't with confidence say that he's gotten better year two was reminiscent of year one uh yes he can jump out of the ceiling yes he can block shots he needs to improve as a rebounder and we did see some of that in summer league but i feel like it was washed away with the 14 fouls in two games like that that really just kind of took away any of the momentum that i felt like isaiah really had but also that's Going into year three, Isaiah Jackson, you should look like amongst the best player on the court there. Mm-hmm. But he's got to improve in being able to be more than just a dunker 
putback player or a lob threat. It's got to be something more out than than just outside, you know, inside of the paint. So yeah. you have to be able to stretch your shot outside of the paint. For Isaiah Jackson going into year three, if he doesn't come across that much playing time over here, I feel like the Pacers probably need to cut their losses. He'll still be a cheap salary, but there could still be a team that might, you know, want to roll the dice on a player who's still very young, but very raw. Yeah, I have Isaiah just a little bit higher, and I'll get to okay. him in a little bit because I want to elaborate more on why I have him higher. But I do understand why you do have him this low, just because there's so many question marks with him as a prospect, as a player. The upside's there, but we need yep. to see more of it. And we've talked about that a little bit on this pod, but I, I, I'll i dive into that a little bit more and why I have him just a smidge higher than you do. But I'll go ahead and go to my number 11, and this is where I have Jalen Smith. Okay. Yeah, this is, um, you know, I have Isaiah above Jalen, obviously, based on my list now. So I've got Jalen yep. at 11 only because he's only got one year left after this deal. He can be an unrestricted free agent after that. Uh, that year is over. So I think 2025 is when he's an unrestricted free agent. He's not making a ton of money. He got benched last year after being the starter, actually got completely taken out of the rotation for a handful of games. And he's just been a very inconsistent player his entire career. So while I do like a lot of the things that he brings to the table, and I do think that he's the better fit backup wise for miles Turner because of the ability to, you know, stretch the floor by shooting threes and, I just think he has a higher basketball IQ than Isaiah Jackson. I just think that the Pacers aren't as invested in him because of the contract situation they currently have with him compared to Isaiah, who's got that restricted free agency, you know, the team control for the next couple of years. So that's where I'm at with that. I think that you could probably say the upside is higher with Isaiah Jackson too than Jalen Smith overall as a player, but they have to reach that potential to even be talking about that. So they're very close to me. I like Jalen Smith right now better than Isaiah Jackson as a player, but in terms of long-term thinking, I think that based on everything we know about how they feel about Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith, that they're probably just a smidge higher on Isaiah Jackson, in my opinion. So that's why I have Jalen at 11, but it's a very tough spot to, to be in here if you're looking at this team and trying to figure out which guy to build around for your backup center. Yeah, I mean, I think every front office wants to be able to justify, you know, their pick. And they, they on draft night, they made the trade and then selected Isaiah Jackson. So clearly the front office, big believers, while they traded for Jalen Smith. Um, but I next on my list, I have Jalen Smith. So I'll, I'll talk about him right now. He's still 23 years old. And that sometimes is a little bit, I feel like we forget that, is he's still really young. And I believe in him as at least a backup role player. Despite being the 10th overall pick in 2020, he very much may have never even been starting power forward worthy. I think he's a backup center in this league. He has some flaws to his game, but he's actually a good rebounder. Mm -hmm. Per 36 minutes, he was actually the best rebounder on the Pacers. You're not going to give him 36 minutes, so sometimes you could toss that stat out the window. But uh, I, I feel like this is someone who once upon a time could shoot threes. Was that just a mirage? I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever see it again. 37%, you know, two seasons ago with the Pacers. Um, that would be amazing to even see 35% or anything of that sort. So he's under contract for this upcoming season, then has a player option for 2024-2025 season. Okay. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. Do we see a scenario where Jalen Smith could hit free agency and make above $5.4 million? Probably not. But maybe depends on the year he has. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So if he's so out of the rotation 
Maybe he bets on himself and is just like, you know what? I want to go somewhere I can play. Or if he wins the the backup center job and plays well, maybe he's like, you know what? I can opt out. There's Miles Turner will only have one more year under contract there. You know, maybe the Pacers want to re-sign him. I don't know. This year is so pivotal for Jalen Smith. But like I said, he is just 23 years old. And I I feel like this is going to be at least a bit of a revenge year because Things went real south for him to the point where he went from starter to not even playing to the point where it's like he looks to be in really good shape. I hope hope he comes in with a chip on his shoulder. And the one thing I got to say is like when he was benched, we didn't hear anything about it. He Uh just kept working hard, and I appreciate that. Yeah, he's a a quiet guy for sure. So just to recap before we take a quick break, I want to recap our bottom five here. We both had Daniel Tyson 15 and both had Jordan War at 14. I had Ben Shepard at 13. You had T.J. McConnell at 13. Mm-hmm. Number 12, I had T.J. McConnell. You had Isaiah Jackson. Yes. And then we both had Jalen Smith at number 11, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then we'll get to uh, our top 10 right after this. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need 